Are you ready? Hello. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Say that again. <laughs> Ooh, baby, I don't wanna be alone tonight. Ooh, baby, I just wanna listen to a podcast that I like. Ooh, baby, it's cool cross the exes. Welcome to Cross the Exes, episode 4. Hi, Anya. Hey, Ajit. How are you today? Oh, terrible as usual. Same Z. No, listen, I started. No, no, not too too late. You've said same Z's now. Now the world knows this. All the other stuff I agreed to edit out, this I'm not editing. Same Z's is going on the podcast. Anyway, um, today mm-hmm. we're talking about why we don't read anymore. And when I say we, I'm not sure if I'm talking about our generation because abs- that's a big generalization. There are mm-hmm. absolutely people who read. So I'm not entirely sure what I mean by we, but I think the listeners Larger, will be able to. Yeah, I mean, every single person that I've personally spoken to, like almost every single person I've spoken to, genuinely feels like they used to read books as a kid and they don't anymore. In fact, I was talking to someone today about this mm-hmm. and they their point was that we don't read books anymore because our reading habits have transferred to the web space. So we how do you feel like we consume content online? Our content consumption, even textual content happens in the form of fast scrolling social media or in the form of listicles or articles or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I get that. But mm-hmm. I think in this episode, we're tackling books specifically. And to start us off, I'm just going to talk about the meme that I saw a couple of weeks ago. And this hits the nail on the head as much as anything could. And this mm-hmm. is a tweet from at Spooky Anarchist, which first of all, fantastic name. <laughs> so at Spooky Anarchist says, anyone else grow up and realize that your excessive reading as a child was actually just a coping mechanism for your incredibly shitty childhood and you stopped reading as much as soon as you escaped or found other things to fill the void. First of all, fuck. Read the comment also. The comment is on Tumblr from someone named Afro Nerdism. Love it. <laughs> yeah, I know. Arthur loves this for sure. Afro Nerdism says, yes, reading excessively as a child for a lot of us was a form of escapism. But part of the reason so many of us struggle to read now is because we based our entire taste in reading on what helped us escape. But as we get older and our needs change, a lot of us never adapted our reading tastes. So we keep trying to read young adult fiction and it just doesn't hit the way it used to. And we assume it's because we can't read like we used to. But the reality is that we need a new genre of literature to suit our new life experiences and mature taste. I am a little taken aback by how well this post speaks to me. So I've seen this meme before, this exact one, and I see it quite a bit actually, and I'm sure uh, most people would have. I know this is kind of weird, but I almost also don't want to read the meme. Like I know what I was going to say because I've read it the first time, mm-hmm. but I'm just saying, no, I, I, I just can't read it because it's it makes me confront yep. something I don't want to it's confront. It's like a truck. Yeah. Yeah, and, so, and that's absolutely true. When I think about all my reading habits as a child, as much as I make fun of you for having been reprimanded by your parents for reading too much, I can't deny the same thing happened with me. My grandmother used to be constantly worried that I buy three books and then finish them in like a week. Yeah. Hey, because books were very much my escape 
absolutely yeah. they were and somehow as i grew older it just never occurred to me to have my sense of escape be heightened by that maturity growing like as i grew mm. more mature i never realized that oh maybe my escapes should change accordingly even in this regard so my escapes i think transferred to other things i started watching movies that were more mature and i started engaging in a whole variety of things as a means of escape but my reading didn't advance firstly i'd like to address what you said earlier about what your friend said that our reading a lot of it has moved online i actually don't entirely agree because if that was the case then we would be happy consuming literature that we were consuming online but actually there is something to be said about our desire now here i'm talking about our desire to read books and then our consistent failure to do so yeah. because there is something that we're not getting yeah that we want that we wish we could get from actual books but yep. we're just absolutely unable to once again i'd like to reassert that when i say we i don't mean to generalize i know mm-hmm. many mm-hmm. people who read because absolutely, but that's yeah. mainly because i i am a phd student and i am yeah. surrounded by readers yeah. and, and the person uh, in question that i'm speaking to is an avid reader as well she's always reading something exactly so and i'm a phd student i have to read for a living and absolutely. and but but there is still something to be said about what my reading experience has been like it has yep. absolutely shifted yep. you describe both our childhoods and you describe most most <laughs> kids uh reading like growing up and reading and at least those who enjoyed reading and it was absolutely a form of escape even though at the time we didn't think of it as escape at all even at the time it was simply something we loved to do so we wanted to do more of it yeah and now trust me like I, once again i'm a phd student so i'm i'm obviously reading a lot Wait, i'm reading a PhD student? i'm reading a oh, lot you have you have oh. never once mentioned that before <laughs> I just want to because I want to make it clear how how Fair ridiculous enough. this is that that yeah. I'm actually yeah. constantly consuming literature by books articles mm-hmm. journals whatever mm-hmm. and yet I don't think I've ever read one journal article start to end fully focused concentrating oh, yeah. like I used to read a rolled out book when I was younger and you I, I read I, for like hours and hours and not have a single break in the middle yeah and now i open an article from the new yorker which is i don't know each article is about a 20 minute read and i will take a break every 2 minutes and just wander off to some social media in the middle yeah. or just yeah. see check my messages it's just it's 20 minutes that's yeah. how short my dedication to reading is it's 20 minutes and honestly th- this begins to hurt when it happens against your will it's mm-hmm. not like you don't want to read that 20 minute article I it's absolutely not that i don't and i'm interested in that article it's a very exactly. interesting article exactly it's not that i don't want to read read this particular article so to give you an example i am at present writing a chapter on mouse and trauma uh wait let's let me correct myself i'm trying to write a chapter on mouse <laughs> and trauma and have been reading a lot of critical work on it which is just, obviously just to be just to make it clear to our readers uh, we're talking about mouse the graphic novel by art speak yeah i was today uh, today i was reading this article on it and it was one of the most gripping articles i've read my brain i could hear my brain like the engines moving inside my inside my head right <laughs> and it's almost like i want to run away from any mental stimulation I, the minute i begin to have it the minute i'm like oh my god this is so good i will immediately without even realizing, 
realizing stop open instagram or go on facebook or or go downstairs to get a sip of water like i just don't understand what this inner instinctual need to stop and i'm enjoying it right i'm mm-hmm. enjoying it so it's almost that i'm avoiding this escape yep. if it is an escape then i'm even avoiding it so what really am i so scared of i don't understand you remember a couple of weeks ago i shared an article with you about uh, what neoliberalism could potentially be replaced by now that yeah. we are living in a world where the failures of neoliberalism have more apparently come to the forefront and it discussed yeah, one that i've totally read of course you didn't that's my whole point and it's a very interesting article there's every single line in that article the, the way it describes the whole milton friedman school of economics and the way it came up and how wait it has friedman in it okay dude i really need to read it as why it was for for i'm currently doing and friedman is a very foundation of that article and how his theories shaped the world in which we live today and how similar patterns are now being observed by three much more far left economists that are now coming up as a new voice of economics right it's a very interesting article extremely educational loved it i sent it to at least 10 people all of them had the same reaction as you all of them mm-hmm. told me listen it's too long a read just tell me what it says in summary mm-hmm. and i could totally understand why if i knew how long that article was going to be when i first started reading it i probably wouldn't have read it and i would have missed out so let me ask you something do you think we're not able to read because there is something which which by the way is in the meme as well right that we need to find a new genre of literature that grips our current reality and offers an escape that yes, the book i do i do genuinely agree with that because i think that's happening to me now is there something to be said about the genre of content that we are now consuming versus what we used to consume or is it that no matter what genre you give us at this point there is something about our own attention span that has drastically changed or is it a combination i mean 100% our attention spans have decreased this literally no denying this and i know i keep tying it back to my time in advertising but every year we would be informed about the latest trends in media consumption around the world and as someone who was from this advertising and every year you could notably see the decline in number of milliseconds spent looking at each post on social media Mm. And I think the last time I checked, it was zero point three seconds per post. Oh my god! We don't even spend one full second looking at each post on social media. That so there is no denying that our yeah. attention spans are nowhere close to where they used to be. Yeah. That said, there is content consumption happening that does manage to grab our attention. Yeah. There so, are so, movies. So you think because I have because I have an example of so this. So just let me because there are movies, there are TV shows that we spend hours watching. with full concentration i mean almost everyone i know watched the first season of stranger things in one night yeah and it's mm-hmm. not like they missed out on the details because they discussed it at length later but somehow mm-hmm. we're not able to even in our leisure time or of the roughly 8 hours that i spent watching stranger things could have spent 2 hours reading a book i think in the example that you're giving it's different because we're talking about a completely different medium And sure and and i'm willing to allow some kind of buffer for that opinion i'm willing to yeah. allow that level of understanding that as a, an audiovisual medium is much easier to consume than a textual mm-hmm. medium i'm talking about 8 hours of watching a tv show versus 2 hours of reading a book or an hour of reading a book i just finished reading my latest anthony bourdain book the third one i've read i am never not moved by his writing but even in this book which is at present my favorite piece of literature in my life i find my attention dwindling after like 20 to 25 minutes and then i have to work i have to make a conscious effort to bring it back to the book 
whereas mm-hmm. when i'm watching shit's creek as a tv show admittedly much easier to consume both in terms of content format as well as actual content mm-hmm. but i register every single second of what goes on okay i am very confused about this firstly i don't have the answers because honestly things that i say and i have said so far might even contradict each other but that's simply because i'm going off of my own experience and they don't match up i'm not i'm not no, entirely sure no. so so for instance the last book i remember reading like crazy was kamila shanti's home fire and before mm-hmm. that it was chitra banerjee devakarni's uh, the mm-hmm. latest one right the forest right. of enchantment i devoured those books i right. did not, right. it was exactly like i was back it was i was back i was a teenager mm-hmm. i was mm-hmm. in my old house in delhi just not able to get out of bed wanting to not you know when you're like oh let me finish this chapter before i go do the dishes let me just let me just finish this 100 right. pages you know it's a wonderful that thing. feeling what lovely feeling and you and i have not had that in in a while and every time i have it it's a, it's a i mean that book needs to be amazing right that book must be so good that i literally would get out of bed find a pencil find that book again and make mm-hmm, notes and mm-hmm. i mean i was i was in it i was in those books right but i don't remember a third book that i felt this way about in months and i am not i am not taking into account my um the my course books like of the course, books yeah. that i have to read yeah. i'm only speaking of books that i don't have to read and and i measure i understand yeah that is not to say that all the other books that i've tried to read in this period have not been gripping or have not been challenging or have not been stimulating the way these books were but there is just something that's missing i started this mystery novel and then i started reading this seven deaths of evelyn something like you know these these like books that that you just find at the train station and those are mm. current uk bestsellers and like i just couldn't so and and that's where that this is why i'm now arriving at the question of whether there's a certain kind of literature that will grip you but that said now now i'm coming to the bit that contradicts this right on the one hand this is what i want to be doing before i go to bed on the one hand i want to have a book in my hand that i feel that passionately towards that i used to as a kid but on the other hand and this is 93 point something percent of my nights i just want to be doing something mindless right i mm-hmm, just want mm-hmm. to be watching something not 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 a show like watchmen not a show that not not even a stranger things i want to watch something absolutely hollow i want to mm-hmm. have what something that has zero value and maybe that is some, maybe that some has to do with either the time that we're living in or with mm-hmm. coronavirus or our general daily routines where, where we genuinely feel so entangled in that overdoing so much and with you know everything has is so complex that we just need to do something basic and simple before we go to bed it's just so contradictory i i don't know what to make of this i i might have a theory that solves for that perhaps we are being too reductive in our analysis of the motivation required to read books so far we're thinking oh it's all about escapism and so escapism used to be through one content before it's different content now but maybe what has changed is not only our mode of escapism but our need for escapism as well maybe we need more than just escapism now maybe we need a different kind of motivation to read books now which we just haven't okay i recently because i am sitting at home with covid and i am definitely not a cool person as we established in the last episode called Wait, you have covid ananya because of covid existing in the world please clarify that i don't have covid covid exists in the world and i am not a cool person and i am confined to my home so i have been doing a 
very extensive dive into the DC universe. And a lot of that, before anyone jumps in and says, oh, but that's comics and graphic novels, so it's easier. No, a lot of that was supplementary reading which included a lot of actual novels that I had to read. And I was eating novels up in a day, day and a half, day and a half because it was leading up to a final uh, DC event that I was reading about called Final Crisis. Because it was leading up to that, I had motivation to keep pushing myself to get to that end. And if you think about a lot of the books that, I mean, straight off the bat, the biggest book of your childhood, what is it? It's, it starts it starts with an h and ends with harry potter harry but <laughs> yeah that was pretty big right it basically you you were growing up with harry potter and it was always not just escapism of course it was escapism 90% of it was but a part of it was also reaching a conclusion finding out what happens next which i think mm-hmm. a lot of adult fiction and non-fiction lacks that kind of motivation it is and i understand that's probably not great for me as an adult to say but it is information in and of itself it's not information that's leading to a conclusion when i read through this dc universe yeah. or yeah. when someone reads the game of thrones series for example why did they get so popular mm. right after harry potter right mm. so the same reason the lord of the rings gets so popular people mm. dive into that universe and then they are motivated to keep going forward escapism is not the only motivation maybe the motivation is also the conclusion the narrative yeah and possibly in an increasingly uncertain world where let's be honest we don't know how many of us will be alive by the time all of this is over there is no sense of conclusion there is no sense of conclusion to our careers our education our personal lives there is no fulfillment so yeah. maybe what we're craving is not escapism maybe what we're craving is a sense of finality if that's a word i'm not sure yeah finality is a word and stability and stability which yeah. comes from some kind of direction yeah although i just feel like if it does offer that if some books manage to offer us that then why don't we do it more it's just it i just don't understand it if i was so bloody happy i cuz i really was when i was reading home fire and forest of enchantments and why don't i do more of that i have a whole bookshelf at home there are books i would love to read that i have bought with full like you know desire to read why <laughs> yeah why am i why am i not uh, yeah, enthusiastic why am i not reading those why am i not doing more of something that i'd love to do because you believe and again this is just a theory so feel free to disregard it completely but because you believe books are still a form of escapism and that i think is a very reductive way of looking at it if you start looking at books as a way of achieving balance finding books as a counterweight to the chaos that we are living in because essentially books have order they have meaning they have narratives that begin and then they end for the for the most of it yeah if you start reading books as a counterweight to the insanity that is the world that we're living in maybe a lot more of us would read books maybe a lot more of us would then think oh this is not escapism this is actually in some twisted non medical way some kind of therapy you know what i i think i think i'm on the same page as you now because i do think there's something to be said about investing yourself in a book to a point i think you have to push yourself yes. just yes. a little bit 
just the first like 20 pages and when you mm-hmm. when you're gripped when when yep. it's got you yep then that that that's all it that's all it needs and i and think then, that and then it, you I have a dog in the fight you want to see how it turns out yeah and i think so so i think maybe the thing we're talking about is now is not why we don't read anymore but why we don't start reading anymore because i think because if once you do once you do if if at least if it's if that book is your jam then yeah i i genuinely no the more i talk about it the more i'm convinced that i am onto something i think it's largely to do with us looking for the motivation to read in escapism mm-hmm. which is short sighted i don't know i don't want to entirely say that it's not escapism i'm also wary of saying that because mm-hmm. uh, at some level it is but it's definitely more what you're saying is mm-hmm. is correct for sure because now i'm now that we've established this i'm i'm thinking back to all the books that i started and never finished it's not because they weren't gripping enough or that i didn't get into them i think i just genuinely didn't give them a fair chance and if i had given them a fair chance i would have finished them and i would have really enjoyed that process and and i think another word you're looking for when you're saying mm-hmm. stability and finality i think it's also closure we don't we absolutely, don't have absolutely that is that is absolutely a word have, i'm looking for you're absolutely we right about do not that. have any semblance of that and whether it's covid or non covid i mean even in, even in a perfect world we have no closure and i think the book kind of tethers us to some sense of closure okay in that case what mm-hmm. if there are not two theories in isolation that we have to choose between here's a new one mm-hmm. it's all about escapism absolutely mm-hmm. but what we escape to has changed and we are not realizing that escape to or escape from from and to because when you're a kid what you're escaping to is amazing it is disorderly and crazy and insane because your life is painfully monotonous from the ages of 5 to 15 the biggest thing that happens to you is puberty and mm. let's be honest it's more disturbing than interesting and you want to escape to what you want to escape to wizards and witches and sci-fi and you want to escape to fantasy and fiction and these crazy worlds that offer a counterweight to the monotony of your life mm. cut to now where as adults and i'm not just talking about this generation the older you grow the more you fully recognize the insanity of the world that you live in things mm. that you as a child perceived to be orderly and organized and sensible with one thing leading to another as an adult you realize no one has a fucking clue what they're doing everything is in absolute disarray and it's a miracle that we haven't annihilated ourselves yet right? yeah. so your counterweight becomes what your counterweight becomes narrative fiction which has a beginning and an end and one thing leads to another and there are no elements which are just there for no reason there is no yeah. there is no swarm of locusts or poison hornets right there's no <laughs> there are no <laughs> elements that is randomly there's no like oh for the next one year the world is shutting down yeah for no reason there's none of that happens it's logical yeah. and so i think the two theories aren't mutually exclusive escapism is the name of the game except what we escape from and what we escape to changes from kids to adults and because as adults we don't realize that we we don't make our peace with that change is why we stop reading this is why we don't find the same pleasure in books anymore i have i have so many thoughts right now i'm i'm mainly i'm mainly thinking about how when I, when you talk about escape you can almost not not talk about 
wish fulfillment because you're absolutely right when we're kids we're reading these books but we're reading these these fantasy books because we're imagining ourselves in that world yep. and that book is offering a sense of uh, wish fulfillment right something we can't have in real life and we can get that in the book so whether it's magic whether it's yep. you know yep. dragons it's whatever the hell uh, romance in in case of yep. some you know some books and, whatever I mean, it is rom- and let's be honest romance big form of wish fulfillment for a lot of young kids yeah exactly so and and now in this world where as you rightly pointed out chaos is very much uh, what we are building in <laughs> yeah. and breathing out <laughs> uh, you know so uh, we absolutely that is that is not what we're looking for in literature we are looking for in your case it's a very good example you're reading anthony bourdain or a very very personal reason right yep. that, that yep. a large part of you relates to him or at least aspires to him, be him there's some element of wish fulfillment going on and, there and his life story essentially offers the same kind of narrative opening and closure as yeah. most fiction would because there is a character introduction there's a conflict that the character goes yeah. through and there is a degree of resolution and then a tragic end it is a very classic storytelling format his life and maybe maybe and- that's why i really, i feel so attached to him as a persona because it offers yeah, me Yeah, I make a mistake whenever I bring up Anthony Bourdain because we just yeah, lose I'm like sorry, that. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm, I'll shut up. I'll shut up. I'll shut up. <laughs> I'm so I know you're right. No, you're right. Fine. When you're right, you're right. <laughs> I will shut up. <laughs> I'm just saying and that's why in my case it's it's very interesting now that I've realized this point that these two books that I keep mentioning over and over again Home Fire had the protagonist was a PhD student and Forest of Enchantments is a feminist version of Ramayan. Okay. Because it's Sita's uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, uh, version of the story. And I I mean, I don't want to say that I relate to Sita, but there's definitely a very strong feminist angle there. There's, there's yeah, something definitely. about the female's voice that really attracts yeah. me. I'm using words like wish fulfillment and you're using words like escape and escapism. And that I is think basically, might be, yeah. Uh, no, that is basically uh, chapter one of my of my thesis uh, because uh, I'm talking about this exactly in context of uh, America and Jewishness. Talking, and... talking, about, talking about in what? Huh? Wait, I, wait, are you doing a PhD? Stop. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't even say it. I, I just. I just have to mention it because I think it's interesting to think about. Oh yeah, I, I just want. I'm just, I'm just messing with you. It's, I know. I know it's relevant. Please go on. Because it's interesting to think about the com- the American golden age of comics, that entire enterprise as an exercise in wish wish fulfillment entirely. Because whether it's American kids or it's Jewish kids who have just migrated to America, everybody wants to be a hero. Because because America is doing badly. This, this is post depression. The yeah, Cold yeah. War might happen. This is Second World War. And so the need for wish fulfillment so is much just stuff through is the roof. Exactly. Yeah. You just you want to be a superhero. Yep. And you know you want to be American and quote unquote. So that's why all we are seeing in the 1930s is uh, Superman, incredibly American, Captain America, super American, and very very interesting point that you bring up, which some which is something I have heard you talk about this whole need for wish fulfillment and the idea of American exceptionalism leading to superheroes before. But I've never tried to think about it in the context of Indian superheroes and the way our superheroes get formed. Indian superheroes are wildly different from any superheroes I've yeah. seen made around the yeah. world, right? And that probably comes from our sense of wish fulfillment. But I will not open that box right now because but that's like a one-hour long discussion. We should talk about it at some. We should talk about. We should about definitely. It talk, this is this is definitely worth discussing. But I think right now, 
it might be time for us to wrap up believe me i know both you and i can go on about this for another like hour <laughs> easy yeah without blinking yep. but for the sake of i haven't listeners. even talked i haven't even touched upon in this by the way if you're an academic uh, i'm not going to say if you're doing a phd so no not saying that but mm-hmm, if mm-hmm. if generally you're someone who needs to read a lot for that job basically uh, i haven't even touched upon the idea of guilt the idea Ooh. that you i i feel guilty when i read anything that's not related to my work because Absolutely. then i'm like well anshal if you have an hour why the hell are you reading this ridiculous book for lesh pleasure why aren't yep. you reading what you're supposed to be reading so there's a yep. there's an immense amount of guilt that comes with that for six, so months, of, for six months of writing my dissertation i did not read for pleasure at all not that you would do anything useful in that hour anyway of course not but you're you probably just, like you sitting on your reading. bed and just feeling bad about yourself and it's not like i didn't buy books i did i just didn't read them So before we move on to X's and O's, I'd just like to say, and and both of us would like to invite you to please send us your stories in and tell us, you know, what your experience has been. And if you're still an avid reader, we are jealous of you. You are cool. Yeah. We are uncool. <laughs> if you're a, if you're from the Gen Z, don't bother writing in. No way. <laughs> are you are you turning down audience submissions? What are you doing, dude? <laughs> No, listen, please. If you're from any generation, if you are five years old, we're to write in. Write in. Don't don't hold back. Okay, send us drawings. I don't give a shit. Just write in. Okay. No, Tell I us. mean the only reason I said that is because I de- genuinely do think that we once again something we could have talked about but we didn't have time to mm-hmm. is how is is the idea of reading being cool or uncool. You know what I mean? It, there is it, definitely going to be a this going to be a books episode part two eventually. Yeah. Like maybe not the next one, but there's going to be a books episode part two. So please write in, tell us what you think, tell us what your experience has been growing up with reading, and we'd love to read some of your stories in the next episode. And now it is time for X's and O's. I made this for you. Welcome to X's and O's, where we read out some of your stories. uh in continuation with what we discussed in our last episode we talked about our generation versus what gen z thinks of us and whether we're cool whether we're uncool and we broke it down and realized at the end of the day no matter how hard we try actually we have become uncool so thank or you to in, everyone or in the case of some of us we always were uncool but that's not what we're discussing yeah. right now that's pointed at me and i will gracious take that that was um, being subtle of course it's pointed at you <laughs> Yeah um also it bears pointing out thanks to one of our friends who brought this to our attention we completely forgot to ask for audience submissions last time like yeah uh, we must have <laughs> did not ask for it and kept wondering for the first two days why aren't we getting any submissions this time which yep. now makes well, a lot really of sense really sorry about that unless we say so otherwise please always send us your submissions yes, please always send us <laughs> <laughs> If we if we don't ask for any uh, submissions, that just means we have forgotten, and right. not because or, we're not too cool for or. For yeah, listeners. we're not. We are never too cool for your submissions. Yeah. But that means that this episode of Extras and Nos might be a little shorter, mm-hmm. but still, I'm truly blown away once again by the quality of submissions that we have gotten. Yeah, we've got some really nuanced ones actually. So the first one that I have is by Prerna, who's from Delhi, and she's actually sent in two. Once again, this was sent to me in a voice note, so I will be paraphrasing. But the reason I think it's best to kind of mention both her examples because I think the point that she's making through both of them is quite astute. One of her examples was that when she was younger. and when by young i mean like in her early 20s so not that young but you know still 
about eight to nine young years us, before. Young for us, yeah. Before Corona, yeah. Um, when she was in college, essentially, she used to really find people cool who used to party so much, go to bars all the time, go to clubs. So she would, you know, watch that kind of social activity from outside and find that incredibly cool and aspire towards that, right? But never had that kind of social circle. And now, however, she finds the exact opposite of that cool, which is when she sees people on social media who are self-sustaining, self-dependent you know living their own life on their own reading books her exact her exact words were I find it so cool that people can still read I find I find those people really cool who can still hold a book and finish it right and and so that was that was one of her examples the other one was that she really is quite creative and she likes to attend plays and concerts and you know uh, watch musicals but she has never had those many opportunities to do it because she's mostly she's been between Delhi and Mumbai and while I do agree that they're pretty like artsy cities I understand why she still feels like she never had an enough chance to kind of um, mm-hmm, watch those mm-hmm. kind of performances mm-hmm. so she now finds those people cool who actually are able to really immerse themselves in this kind of culture who are able to watch plays and musicals and she said I will always find that cool and by the time that day comes that I'm able to do those things it would have lost its coolness so I think the point that she was trying to make through both her examples and I fully fully agree with this is that for each one of us the thing that we can't have the thing that we don't have that we gaze upon from an outsider's point of view will almost always have a quality of coolness right that so that's pretty that's pretty good yeah and i agree with yeah. both points and two points that i have for that number one absolutely agree i have immense reverence and respect for people who do things where i'm only on the outside looking in certain yeah. artists certain performers, certain creators who do things that I can't do. So I think they're yeah. cool. I completely get the outsider's perspective, number one. Number yeah. two, <laughs> okay, just to let our listeners know while I am talking, Archil is flexing her biceps on the screen. I've done and a bicep workout and I'm feeling very good. You know this is an audio podcast. Again, <laughs> I keep having You know I who said it. I was just doing it. Stop, stop doing it now. Okay. <laughs> Point number two. As someone who had a passion for partying in college and has very gracelessly transitioned that passion into passion for musical theater, just (laughs) someone who used to love going to clubs and dancing and now loves just listening to like the Hamilton soundtrack while washing dishes. I am very happy to know that in Prerna's eyes, I have been cool consistently. <laughs> As she has changed and her perceptions of cool have changed, so have I. Yeah. That's great. I think that was a that was a very nice. Uh, I really I quite enjoyed hers actually, and quite related with them as well. And of course, the whole reading thing completely relates to our discussion from today. Oh yeah, anyway. and yeah. I think we both agree with her point that people can still read are cool, as we have made it very clear <laughs> in our podcast. <laughs> Honestly. <laughs> yeah. The next one comes to us from Otto, who lives in London. You mean like Otto? <laughs> okay. I'm sorry. Some people might have been confused. No, no one was confused. But just to point out to you how bad that was, I'm going to keep that joke in. Otto, O-T-T-O, says... Sorry, Otto. <laughs> I think coolness starts and ends exactly where you believe it to. Just because something is old doesn't mean it's no longer uncool. And then he followed that up with a message saying, oops, I didn't mean to send that yet. <laughs> then he followed it up with more. Like Beyonce, still cool. Jim Morrison, still cool. Even Mozart had women throwing had women throwing underwear at him on stage. 
I think that's pretty cool. You can still be cool after a long career. In fact, some people are cool and they start becoming so at a much older age. Like Liam Neeson started his career at 40 after being a teacher. Kaigon Jin and Taken are undeniably cool as shit. Even older people can create things young people think are cool. The true correlation is that the older you get, the less likely you're going to have time to focus on your coolness. The average, eight, average 17, 18 year old has all the time in the world to cultivate their ideas of coolness. But if you're 30 and you work 45 hours a week, who has the time? But if you're an actor or musician who makes money mostly off of charisma, then coolness is the aim of the game. The reason nerds aren't cool is because they actually spend time on other things rather than just what exact shade of eyeliner Billie Eilish just popularized. Which is a very, very long message. Well done, Otto. Once again... <laughs> It's so insightful. And once again, I agree. Absolutely agree with that. Yes. Yes. And I think more than the idea of cool changing, he's absolutely right. The idea of spending time on cultivating coolness becomes so deprioritized that Mm -hmm. you are either cool or you're not. But becoming cool is no longer a priority as opposed to a 17 year old who really... Let's be honest, not a lot of responsibility for most of us. Yeah. So a lot of time to focus on, you know, I don't know what you went through, but in my case, it was a very serious emo phase where I only wore black for a year and I customized my whole wardrobe. <laughs> Sometimes yeah, I would paint one fingernail cool. black, but you know. No, nobody thought that was cool. I'm no, I, I, not, as they should not have. I agree. It's not cool for anyone. But I'm just saying, yeah, he's absolutely right in that mm-hmm. there is more time to focus on being perceivably cool. But also, can I just say, I do not think Jim Morrison is cool or that he ever was. I don't know that much about him and his life or his music. That's fine. That's fine. And I know I might get a lot of hate for this. I'm perfectly prepared to accept that hate. Jim Morrison, I do not think was cool. Secondly, Why? Uh, it's his, it seems very shallow. It seems his, his work, his lyrics try so hard to be cool that in that attempt to be cool. Remember how we talked about how a 40-year-old who's still hanging out with 22-year-old girls and doing lines of coke is not cool, right? Jim Morrison is that guy to me. To me, again, this is all like, my perception. I feel like so many, so many musicians are though. Like Maybe, but a lot of them don't get the reverence that Jim Morrison does. Like, the Doors make great music. Don't get me wrong. They make great music. I think Jim Morrison's contributions are overly hyped. And, and all I know I, that is that I loved the Morrison Cafe in Delhi. And that's where I celebrated my 18th birthday. So... That's my only and great rebuttal to what I just said, but (laughs) (laughs) it was not a rebuttal at all. Before recording this, shut up. No train of thought. Just continue. Also, can I just say, Otto? I agree with most things that you said, but I do like Billie Eilish, and I will defend her to the death. I think she's fantastic at what she does. And that'd be the end of that. My last one. This is the last one, right? You don't this have any last one. And this is one of my favorites as well. This is really good. Yeah, this is from Mike from Kent. Basically, he really said a lot of things that made us think, actually. <laughs> I mean, he started with asking us whether we think recording a podcast is cool. So, which, which you I, know, I there's something better for you. <laughs> I don't think it is. I think we're being very uncool right now. But because I am too old and I have too many other things going on, can't be asked. Listen, I definitely feel like it's indulgent. It's very self-indulgent what we're doing, 100%. But this relates very much to what Otto said. If you have to cultivate something creative, quote-unquote, the ways to do it may not always be cool. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, so we're doing something that could be construed as creative. I think it is, mm-hmm. right? We are offering Definitely. something to the listeners. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But maybe 
whole thing about over podcasters is not not so cool and i'm okay <laughs> with that i'm, I'm okay, okay with that perfectly okay yeah. with it. mike also then said was that what remains consistent in the definition of coolness through generations is the idea of rebellion of going against the grain mm-hmm. now what might be considered going against the grain might change absolutely with every generation absolutely. um and the example he gave was of uh drinking and smoking and he said you know in our generation that was smoking and drinking like crazy was quite subversive right it, we were protesting something yep. in doing that and so it was considered cool but now where that's pretty mainstream and there's nothing really that exciting about drinking or smoking it's yeah. also lost its cool factor but i think the underlying point that he made was and i do agree once again that re- rebellion will always be cool so for mm-hmm. the and the example i thought of in relation to that was probably like something like veganism right where that is truly going against the grain and that that in fact might have more of a cool value quote and quote than mm-hmm. say smoking might i mean dude first of all yeah as someone who would struggle very hard to go vegan i full respect to any vegans yeah. listening to this right yeah. now you don't deserve the hate that's coming to you good job other than that he's right what is cool is irreverence essentially irreverence mm-hmm. for any kind of establishment which right Touch now to me the coolest people in the world are protesters and activists 100% like yes. like when the protests happened in new delhi recently i thought every single person in every single photo i thought i saw was cool as shit yeah completely completely understand that i think that might be the one point that sort of fits everything that we've discussed so far perfectly yeah. and there's no disagreement there irreverence whatever shape or form it may take with subsequent generations or age groups irreverence is cool that's all it is and with that we wrap up but just to say that it always amazes me that our episodes are actually not that structured as structured are people's thoughts and people's yeah, people comments much better at putting their thoughts forward than we are we mostly ramble yep 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 i think maybe it's time to consider getting more people doing this podcast than us actually stay tuned to find out more about that i am well, well done yeah. creating mystique plugging shit well done you're learning oh. <laughs> see you guys bye, bye.